0: So you're here um, in a Bible scene. The whole point of the, of, of the sand is not that you're playing golf and you're in the bunker. You're not on the beach. Um, although I went to the beach yesterday, I got amazing waves. So I'm, I'm reminded of that amazing session of surfing. Um, but you're here in a Middle Eastern street scene and we've got some markets and I'm, I'm sure flowing um, material is the thing that would happen. At least it's in Aladdin like that, right? I'm expecting this praise rug to go up any, any minute and start flying off. It's going to be fantastic. Um, the, the whole point of what we're doing here, and this is week four of Do You Even Bible, is twofold. First of all, that the Bible would be something that comes alive, not just when we hear it um, when we come to a church service, but it, it comes alive in an everyday sense. And so the way that we go through the Bible and present it, um, there's a couple of key things that are really going to help you on your journey to actually make the Bible more than just enjoyable, but come alive and breathe life into your heart and your soul. One of those is actually like prioritizing the time to read it. And then while prioritizing the time to read it, don't just sit there and think, man, how much can I read? Because then Jesus would be happy with me. Let's think... How much can I understand? How much can, this, how much can this word speak to me? There's parts of the Bible I really don't like. It's usually the bits where I, I've, I've been doing the opposite. And all of a sudden when I read the Bible, God upsets my apple cart. And then I'm like, all right. He seems to, be, he seems to know stuff that I don't. He seems to have wisdom that's, un- that's in the Bible. I just need to unpack and let it come into my heart. How easy is it to read the Bible looking for something that backs your own opinion? <laughs> if you do that, it'll be a tough read. But if, if you open your heart up to what God might say, and even if you disagree, even if your feelings are completely different, if you can read the Bible and go, oh, wow, that's going to be difficult. But I'm in well now you're on an adventure which is actually going to take you from strength to strength the other part of why we're doing do you even bible is not just to help you learn how to read the bible slow up ask questions uh, like find out what challenges are there for us that we can be encouraged by god to be going onward and upward but what a great opportunity every every single week is a great opportunity we invite a friend a work colleague to good life, church. But look, we just, we just want to give you some crazy, wild opportunities. And like Jack said, if you think tonight is good, well, the next week is like neck level. Like neck minute, but neck level. Um, let me read to you a scripture out of Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or in, sit in the company of mockers. Now, there will be wicked people around you. There will be sinners all around you. There will be mockers. And the psalmist says, blessed are you if you don't walk in step with them, stand in their way and sit in their company. But there's a contrast because you're going to have those around you and the way that you actually stand strong and not be influenced by them, but be an influencer, a life giver in your world starts right here in verse 2. But whose delight, blessed is the one who doesn't, walk in step with the wicked, stand in the way that sinners take, sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight? Everyone say delight. His delight is in the law of the Lord and, and who meditates on his law day and night. The answer to standing strong in the face of mockers and sinners and wicked people is to not just read the Bible, but to learn how to delight in it. And uh, we want to be those that actually learn how to delight. And it's not just that I read it, it's that it brings life to me. And the change as I go on the adventure of letting it challenge me and uplift me, that adventure is going to be something that I sit back and go, man, where would I be without the Bible? Where would I be without the words of God? Where would I be without the, this is bringing life to me. And so I just think the Bible has been brilliant for me ever since I ran across it in 1991. It's a very long time ago, I know. Some of you weren't even born. It did exist. The black, we had black and white TVs, and I had to walk 100 miles to the bus stop and all sorts of different stuff. But at school, we had to make our own rulers. We had to cut down trees and make it happen. But, but the deal is, if I can get the Bible and I can delight in it, well, what's going to happen it's going to do great things to my life and it has done so many times and so I get a little bit ticked I'm not just the I don't just preach I teach preachers how to preach and it ticks me off when preachers treat their preaching of the bible the words of life the words of adventure the words that are going to uplift my soul and help the people that are listening they treat it like they're feeding veggies to children and I think mate shut up stop it you're making it sound ugly because your pitch is all wrong. Let's not wrap it in a brown paper bag and and, and treat it like we're feeding veggies to children. Let's put a bow on it and a strobe light. Let's present it like it's meant to be. The most amazing, exciting thing ever. Why wouldn't you want to be a part of this? If If I can delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it day and night, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season whose leaf does not wither and whatever they do prospers that's the promise that God's got for you as we learn how to unpack the Bible that's not just great for you but it's great for the onlookers waiting to see if your Christianity works Um, and so we're into week four of do you even Bible so we're going to read in John chapter 8 this is an historical account of Jesus doing some cool stuff, interacting with some people some that liked him and a whole bunch that really didn't. And um, so we've got from verse 2 of chapter 8 in John uh, and John, John was a guy that hung with Jesus, one of the disciples that hung with Jesus and he wrote his account of those interactions, which would have been a wild ride uh, Now early in the morning he came again into the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down And he taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. Everyone say, ooh, she was caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now, here's the problem when we read the Bible. All of a sudden, you found the saucy thing. You got distracted by a bunch of different things that could really help. Oh, there's a woman caught in adultery. Oh, let's think about that. Let's talk about that. Oh, something's going to happen here. But just back up the love wagon in a second and go back to verse 2. And it says, now early in the morning, he came again. I just love it that Jesus is going, we're going to get at this. I'm not going to sit back and let life come my way. I want to get active. I want to go about life. I want to actually tackle things. I want to make a difference in the world. And I think when God comes into our life, it's time, to then, it's time to then be diligent. It's time to take great steps. It's time not to sit back on our blessed assurance and hope that things happen, but faith without works is dead, so we're going to step forward. So he goes early in the morning. He came again into the temple, which shows me, it wasn't his first time. It was actually a regular occurrence. One of the best decisions I ever made in life. Was to be found in the house of God on a regular basis, and I would encourage every person to do the same. Jesus has a great example. Early in the morning, he comes again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and he taught them. All right, I'm going to need a Jesus. Do we have a Jesus in the crowd? We have a Jesus in the crowd. Uh, you can be my Jesus tonight. Um, Jesus supporting Movember? Yeah, he would. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Um, also wearing R.M. Williams? He, he would do that too. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, let, let's, see, let's see what happens. Because Jesus comes. He says, in the, you come in the temple, and all the people came to him, which is good. They were coming to hear you. And, um, and you sat down and you taught them. You better take a seat. So you kind of just, you've been teaching for a while, so you sit down teaching, expounding, giving people direction on how to do life, and yeah, you guys can do it. Give them a thumbs up and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, guys, you can do that. Um, here's the fun thing, is that in every crowd you find Jesus teaching, um, you find this weird mix of people that didn't like each other. Um, you found um, a bunch of religious teachers, Pharisees, um, they were often called. And what they would do is they would come to hear jesus now they didn't like him because he was upsetting their apple cart i've just found out when when i read the bible and, and jesus upsets my apple cart it's better just go right your apples mate i'm just not sure what do you want yeah how do you like them apples just better to go sure jesus you know what you're doing i'm i don't know if i do but these guys these religious people and i think that's probably this section here tonight You can be the religious people. You're the Pharisees. You're the religious turkeys, the churchgoers. Harmony. Just the harms? No, no, you're in that as well. So we've got scribes and we've got Pharisees in this crowd. These people are, they're kind of confused because they like him, but then they don't like him. He's got all this wisdom, and he seems to speak with authority. And I don't know where the flip he got it, but it seems to be working for him. But he hasn't come through their um, kind of channels of how you end up being a teacher. So they don't like him. And what's more, when he teaches, he tells everyone, hey, these Pharisees and scribes, they're turkeys. I wouldn't follow their example. They are unhappy. Come on, crowd, say boo saying buddha jesus but you're still kind of like i, I, I can't get away i want to go but i don't want to go i like him but i don't like him i actually hate him but i can't get enough of him it's poor pharisees they're conflicted they're conflicted over on this side aren't they right sort your stuff out anyway so the scribes and pharisees are there but then at the same time there's a bunch of people that would not normally go to church and they're the sinners hello how you doing? Look like a bunch of sinners. Especially with Pete Layla. Location pastor at Toronto. Doing an absolute killer job. Let's give Peter a clap. It's good to have you here, mate. Love what God's doing at Toronto. Uh, if, you, if you're praying, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're submitting a DA, uh, resubmitting a DA to get into uh, our own home, our own building in the main street of Toronto. So... We're really pumped what God is doing at Good Life Church everywhere. But Toronto is fun. So you've got, you've got Pharisees and scribes, but then you've got sinners, and they don't like each other. Well, the sinners don't like the Pharisees and scribes because they've been judging for ages. No, you can't come in. They don't like them at all. These guys don't like them, and they don't like them. So there's a big aisle. No, we don't like you. Nick off. And normally they wouldn't be welcomed, but Jesus is upsetting the apple cart, not just of people's lives, but of the whole way that church runs. He's turning it upside down. And these guys, they don't even have a name. You don't have a name, you're just sinners. You're that good at being bad, or that bad at being good. Just sinners, right? Dirty, rotten mongrels. So they all come into this meeting. And they're all listening to Jesus. They don't like each other. Just keep your eyes to the front. We're just listening to Jesus, who's doing a whole bunch of teaching. Thank you, Jesus. That's really, really nice. Then, what happens is the scribes and Pharisees brought him a woman caught in adultery. And this is a bit odd. Because, like, I want to get to the woman caught in adultery a bit. But I just think, how weird is it that Christians get that sin is sin? Isn't it just weird? Aren't some Christians odd about that? Irritated because people that don't know Jesus aren't living for him. It's it's the height of stupidity. Of course they're going to sin. There'll be consequences. And here's the cool thing. You get to be a friend and get to shine the brilliance. And then after a while they'll be like, flip, it's different for you. How come? Sin has consequence and sin is not that I'm a bad person. Sin is that I've chosen my way, not the teachings that Jesus told me. So I read the Bible and go, no, I'm trying to do my stuff. He upsets my apple cart. Well, my feelings say that I should. So I'm going to, no, no, it's despite my feelings, I'm going to pick up the Bible and let it speak to me in the way that I interact with life or the world or with situations. And so... Here we go, we've got people that are bothered about sin. But let's take it to the next level. How many Christians are really bothered with how the world deals with sex? Because we haven't just got a sinner about to come in, we've got a woman who's caught in adultery. She's about to come in. We're into this story, and I just think this is really weird. Because how do you catch a woman in adultery? Surely you catch two people in adultery. It's a part of the definition, ladies and gentlemen. You can't do it on your own this is not a solo act so they catch a woman in adultery i just think sometimes christians get weird about sinners sinning but also think christians get really weird about sinners and their sexual sin there's a whole raft of sexual sin that the bible's very clear about so despite my feelings i'm going to avoid that sexual sin because it's not just about that i hurt me it's that i hurt other people if i follow my feelings and my ways and not actually what the Bible says. So it's about for me to live a life that's Christ-like as a Christian. But I'm not going to be weirded out by others. I'm not going to judge. There'll be consequences. You don't do it Jesus way and there's consequences for every person. It's the way that Jesus goes, hey, it's not worth it isn't going to be great when people go, oh, flip, it's not working. And they go, oh, my Christian friend, it works for them. That's what you want, right? That's the whole point. Anyway, so enough of that. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him. You ready for this, Jesus? Feeling good? Feeling fine? Your mustache is looking resplendent. They brought to him. A, a, a woman. Well, they they caught a woman in adultery. All right. They set her in the midst. And they said to Jesus, teacher, this woman's caught in the adultery in the act in the caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that, that such should be stoned. Which means getting hit with rock slot, not what you're thinking. There's no Cheech and chong tonight. But what do you say? So we've got a situation. It's a, it's a setup. These guys are part of the pharisaical crew and they're trying, to set, they're trying to catch you. They don't like him. He's been upsetting their apple cart. Well, no, nerdy, no. We're going to set your apple cart upside down, matey. How do you like them apples? And so what they do is they make a setup. How do I know it's a setup? Because we only find one person caught in the act of adultery. There's a couple of problems with that. First of all, how'd they know it was happening? Is there a GPS out on all desperate housewives in Jerusalem? Well, second one, it's probably one of their mates who was actually in the act of adultery. Where's he? This is a set up. But then again, you're thinking at this point, we've got a victim and two bullies, especially in 2018. AD. Doesn't take much to claim being bullied. But can I propose to you that this woman is no victim? Can I propose to you she's a, vic- uh, she's a vicious home wrecker? Because when you commit adultery, you break a marriage covenant. And what's the chances there's children left as the collateral damage at the end of this woman's act? These guys are going, this is wrong. Society shouldn't be this way doesn't matter what your sexual revolution says. I can do what I want. Yeah, you can, but it makes society really rough if you think you can do whatever you want. And there's more consequences than just, well, you know what, I felt like it. So she's gone and made an act that's actually been not just something that shouldn't be done. And God goes, no, it's actually wrong. You can mess your life up and other people's lives, but yet they're going, this should not happen in our society. And she actually is a vicious wrecker. Well, now you're seeing it differently. He's got to stop and read the Bible a bit clearer. She's a nasty woman. Now she's been caught, she's been trapped, and these guys don't give a rip about her. They give a rip about catching Jesus in His words, and so they get well, they get really, really angry. Um, this they said, testing Him that they might have something of which to accuse him. And so it's not just these guys at this point that have got a problem with this lady. or The whole crowd starts to respond about this woman. She's done the wrong thing. They're angry. This should not happen in our society. Are you kidding me? said this testing that they might have something of which to accuse Jesus they're yelling at the woman and they're doing it to catch Jesus so Jesus response well that's going to be pretty important right now isn't it Jesus stooped down got off his seat and he stooped down and he wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear them, now there's a couple of he's doing knots and crosses right now. Uh, there's a range of scholars who have got different ideas about what he's writing in the ground. One of those is a scripture in Leviticus. So Old Testament law, which came through Moses that these guys are talking about Moses. That said, if you want to accuse someone of adultery, what you do is you take them to the priest. So these guys around here, they don't recognize Jesus as a priest, but yet they've brought the adulterous woman to a priest, the highest priest. And that scripture in Leviticus said you would bring them to the priest and what they would do is they would get a bit of dirt from the ground in the temple, they would mix it up with water and make the woman drink it and there was a way that you would find out if she was an adulterous woman or not. So some scholars say that he's, writing down that scripture out of Leviticus. Some scholars say that he must have been writing down the sins of the people that were around him. But the deal is we really don't know. At that point, it's just conjecture. He writes on the ground with his finger as though we did not hear. I can imagine the judgment that goes around lives, Homes, workplaces, Facebook pages. And Jesus writes on the ground, pretending like he doesn't hear. Oh my gosh, guys. You've got no idea. These guys have all got rocks in their hands. Look at this. Angry people, ready to kill a woman. And Jesus doesn't even accept the premise of the question. At this point, you've got to ask yourself a few questions. You ever felt like you've been accused? You ever felt like you've been unfairly accused? You ever felt like you just made a mistake and people have been holding it against you for a very long time? You ever, you ever felt like the person that's got a rock in their hand? You ever been a rock carrier? Ever had something to throw at someone? Ever been the person looking for a fight? Looking to justify yourself? This is wrong. This is what these guys are out. There. They've got rocks in their hands ready to kill a woman. Have you ever been in Jesus' shoes? With a heart for not just the woman who's a vicious home wrecker. But looking up and dealing with these people, trying to work out how do I work with these people here because they're God's children. And they don't even get how God works. They don't even get the Father's heart. They're ready to kill someone. They don't even understand it. When we slow up and we read in the Bible, we find out a whole lot right there and not just about the story, but I find out a whole lot about me. And my response when I read scriptures like this, if I go, you know what? I've got some unforgiveness. I've got a rock in my hand. What I need to do is I need to forgive. Oh, bit, but, 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 pastor, you don't know what they did to me. They don't deserve. She doesn't deserve to be forgiven. That person that did that, that abuser, that person that rejected you, that person that hurt you, that person that should have known better, they don't deserve to be forgiven. Well, maybe they don't, but they're currently living rent-free in your head. You deserve to be free. Unforgiveness is like hoping that person drinks poison, but yet you're drinking it. They're getting away scot-free currently. Forgiveness is when I go, you know what? I hold no ill will. I hold no grudge. I might not necessarily need to invite you back in to do exactly what you did to me previously, but that's what clever boundaries are all about. if I find I'm reading a scripture like that and I realize I've got a rock in my hand then at that point I'm not reading any further I'm going to bring that attitude to Jesus and I'm going to repent. Repentance is not just sorry, it's like God I don't want to do that, I want to turn the other way if you find yourself in a scripture, in a Bible verse allow God to speak to you from that point okay where, what could I do how could I serve God this way Jesus is down, here we go, in verse 6, He's writing, He's acting like He doesn't hear. Well, they continued asking Him. They're angry. They continue to ask, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Jesus, He's not listening, but what are we going to do about this woman? This is wrong. And so He raised Himself up, and He says to all the accusers around, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stoops down and he writes on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. What you've just heard is the best sound in the Bible. Rocks coming out of hands and dropping on the floor. It's the best sound. It's the best noise ever. Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus raised himself up, saw none but the woman comes down alongside her. And he says, Woman, Woman, Where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? This, ladies and gentlemen, is wild. For a couple of reasons. First of all, the the thing that Jesus said to get rid of the crowd was, he who is without sin, cast the first stone. He who is without sin. It's him. Jesus is the only one that could by those rules actually throw a rock he could have chosen condemnation but he bought mercy how many times would you be justified to really do something that you probably could but really what that person needs is mercy what they need is the benefit of the doubt what they need is a bit of love, a little bit of acceptance so that's the first thing, it's pretty wild He was without sin, cast the first stone. He's the only one without sin. Here's the other thing. is the God of the universe that spoke the world into existence. The God of the universe that created the earth out of dirt, and out of that dirt created Adam, and out of Adam created Eve. That very dirt, the sinless one, the Prince of Heaven, gets down in the dirt with the dirty woman. the humility of Jesus. And he says, I don't care what you've done. I don't care how far you've gone. I don't care how dodgy your actions were. they it pretty dodgy. He gets down in the dirt, says, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She says, no one, Lord. She looks around, there's no accusers left. She thought she was going to get killed with rocks to the skull. No one, Lord, neither do I condemn you. Therefore, go and sin no more. This is why. Because in 2018, you tell someone they're a sinner, well, there's a red rag to a bull. Then tell them, go and sin no more. Mate, that's politically incorrect. You can't tell them that. Not only you can't tell them you're a sinner, they're a sinner. You can't unpack the Bible and tell them that's wrong. You certainly can't tell them to stop. See, how does Jesus get away with it? Is it because He's God? Or is it because He got down in the dirt? He got down on her level. He didn't say go and sin no more from above. He got down in the dirt and on the level with the woman who deserved to be in the dirt. The woman who was caught in the dirty act. The woman who was a vicious wrecker, he gets down in the dirt with that woman, not irritated, not irked by her sin, but connects with her, gets down on her level and in the dirt with her. He gets rid of every accuser and doesn't accuse. He's the only one that could have accused and yet he doesn't. You know, dealing with the topic, that someone needs to hear is not judgment. Dealing with it mean can be taken that way though. Here's Jesus balancing truth and love. Because some Christians choose truth without love. Choose truth without kindness. Truth without kindness is just mean. But some Christians see, well those mean Christians are just preach. And you think, well, I don't want to be like that. And so you choose to avoid the truth, skirt the truth, the inconvenient truth. But truth without, sorry, uh, love, kindness without truth is meaningless. Jesus balances these two things. Just telling people that helps. It's when it gets into their heart, and so it comes into the heart via kindness. It comes into the heart by getting down on their level. It comes down on comes into their heart via the avenue of acceptance of the person and not being irritated or irked by their sin. Being a light unto the world. This is pretty wild. And in the end, he says, "Go and sin no more." Says to this precious daughter. You've been messing this up and it's been hurting you and others. I reckon the best path for you is to stop this habit pattern of hurting yourself and others by choosing your way instead of my way. The greatest love is to bring the truth in kindness. But it's both of those. So I've got to ask myself. Am I addicted to telling people the truth, but don't do it kindly? Or am I the Christian that avoids telling truth because, well, it's too hard on people? No, the truth has got to come. It's got to come in love. So don't avoid the truth just because you choose kindness. Choose both. I read the Bible there's a whole lot there that kind of opens up my heart I reckon tonight there's probably a whole bunch of things that have opened up yours that go oh okay And at that point when he upsets my apple cart I'm going to close the book and open my heart and say Jesus teach me I don't want to I don't want to leave this moment the same as I walked in I want to be transformed that your words speak to me. It can happen every day, but right now it can happen right here right now. Would you close your eyes? Father, today, I thank you for your word that brings life. I thank you for conviction. Where we've been a bit stupid. Dumb choices like that woman, but yet you still accept us. Thank you so much, God. We've made choices like throwing rocks, holding rocks, accusing. We haven't haven't talked about the topic in love, we've talked at a person, they've taken it as judgment because we didn't actually talk about a topic in love. Jesus, today, if we've got a rock in our hand, we, we repent. I don't, I don't want to live that way. I forgive that person that doesn't deserve it. Because, Jesus, you've, you've forgiven me. In this picture, I'm the woman caught in adultery. I'm the person that deserved death for my sins. So, Jesus, if you can forgive me of all my muck, It's difficult, but I'm going to forgive. I'm going to hold no ill will and grudge to that person or those people. God, I thank you that there's going to be some true freedom here today as people receive forgiveness and give it. Father, I thank you for so many good lifers in their world, surrounded by accusers and surrounded by sinners. Us, Lord God, to bring love to all involved, that the rocks in our workplaces and in our hearts, in our schoolyards, in our universities, would fall to the ground. And God, that we make a choice to get on the level, connect with people that have done the wrong messed up by the world's way of handling life so God today I pray Lord God that you would move on our hearts we turn from our sin I don't want it anymore and I pray that you would strengthen us to live the kind of life Jesus that you lived with this story when there's people accusing and yelling we get caught up in the drama We didn't push back and yell at them. We came with a word of love and truth that set free a whole community.